about oh it's ten Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. We love it. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokens and tokens and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, March 16th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here for the show. We are coming to you live from Cannabis Radio Headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, good to be here. We've got all sorts of great stuff coming up on today's show. And uh, for those of you who are political junkies, of course, uh, yesterday was Super Tuesday 3, they call it, where Hillary Clinton pulled off four out of the five states that were voting. But uh, for my fellow Bernie Sanders fans, uh, let me just remind you that the Confederacy has now voted. The Confederate votes are now in, and that's as big as Hillary Clinton's lead is ever going to be. She's up by 322 pledged delegates. And as we have more of these states coming up that are much more favorable to Bernie Sanders, he will cut into that lead. And don't forget, there's still the FBI investigating Hillary Clinton and her inability to follow her State Department's own rules when it comes to security and information technology. But we'll get to all of that coming up in just a little bit. Let's start with the marijuana news today because we've got a very special interview coming up today. It's our Hemp Day Hump Day, and every other Wednesday we speak with Doug Fine, the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail. He's got another guest joining us for an extended hemp interview. Morris Beagle will be joining us from Colorado to discuss Colorado's industrial hemp. So our last half hour of the show today, all about industrial hemp. And if you've got calls, we'll take live calls as well at 971 533 7111. You can call it and ask your questions about industrial hemp with two of the nation's best experts on the subject. The phone number again is 971-533-7111. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have a chance to get into the drug war data mines. And in the data mines today, we're taking a look at a poll from Vox and Morning Consult. Uh, We mentioned some of this yesterday. Yesterday, we talked about how they polled Americans and asked them their opinion on drug scheduling. Today, we take a look at the poll numbers on whether people think that drugs should be legalized, medicalized, or decriminalized. And of course, marijuana is the one that gets the most support, but it's interesting where seven other drugs end up on the charts. So uh, we'll bring that to you in the drug war data mines. That comes after our behind the headlines segment. And in the headlines today, unfortunate, tragic news uh, coming out of Maine, where a 13-year-old girl who had escaped Connecticut to get CBD oil for her epilepsy, she has passed away. And so we'll take a look at the phenomenon of children using medical marijuana and how 
Many of these medical marijuana states are really medical marijuana in name only because they're not doing enough to protect the lives of these young, fragile children. That's in Behind the Headlines. That comes up right after the Cannabis Radio News. In our headlines today, we are on pins and needles waiting for the results of the Pennsylvania legislature, which just may pass medical marijuana today. Unfortunately, it's one of those New York, Minnesota-style no-whole-plant medical marijuana, no marijuana smoking allowed. We'll also talk about Montana, where there is a campaign to repeal medical marijuana and go back to complete prohibition in the Big Sky State. We've got another NBA basketball player talking about how 80% of the association is using marijuana. We've got some financial numbers on the marijuana industry and a call for support for a bud tender who suffers is in a coma now uh, in Colorado. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today. Or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorns. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. 
This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, March 16th, 2016. A proposal to allow patients who suffer from a list of ailments to obtain marijuana for therapeutic purposes is nearing a final vote in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, and the measure appears to be on track to become state law in the near future. The House was poised Wednesday to vote on a bill that would set standards for growers, dispensaries, and medical professionals. Patients could take the drug in pill, oil, or liquid form, but would not be able to obtain marijuana they could smoke. House votes on amendments over the past two years suggest strong support for the measure, which would be sent back to the Senate. Supporters approved a similar approach in May by a vote of 40 to 7. Safe Montana founder Steve Zabawa announced his support of a court ruling that curtailed the state medical marijuana program while reinforcing his own campaign to repeal it altogether. The Montana Supreme Court decided to uphold a 2011 bill that limits caregivers to three patients each. There are currently more than 13,000 registered medical marijuana patients under the state of Montana. The new limits would serve about 1,400 patients. Safe Montana's ballot initiative, I-176, would repeal the medical marijuana program and align the drug with illegal status under federal law. The campaign has spent more than $18,000 on its efforts and has about half the 24,000 required signatures to get the issue on the November ballot. A competing ballot initiative, I-178, aims to legalize recreational marijuana and has between 8,000 and 10,000 signatures with about $1,600 in the bank. A third ballot initiative, which has yet to be approved for signature gathering, will seek to expand the medical marijuana program. Former Chicago Bulls guard and three-time Duke All-American Jay Williams says it's about time the NBA gets more progressive when it comes to marijuana. Williams estimates that 75 to 80 percent of the athletes in the NBA use marijuana. In the NBA's anti-drug agreement, players are subject to four random tests throughout the season. If a player tests positive for marijuana and is convicted of the violation, he will be required to enter the marijuana program. A second offense will result in a $25,000 fine, and the third will be a five-game suspension. Williams says the issue is still taboo for professional sports leagues because they're still trying to position their brand in the best possible light. Quote, I'm not condoning for anyone under 18 to use cannabis or marijuana, but from a medical perspective, it's about time some of these brands like the NBA and MLB become a little bit more progressive and start thinking forward instead of being held captive in the past, end quote. In 2013, the marijuana industry brought in $1.8 billion nationwide, while sales jumped to $5.4 billion in 2015 and could hit $6.7 billion this year, Fortune magazine reported last month. Because the marijuana industry is still emerging, some barriers that have traditionally impeded women's progress in other fields don't yet exist. This has meant that the industry is not as male-dominated as fields like technology, defense, or finance. Women Grow is a national organization that seeks to connect and empower women in the legal marijuana industry, and they estimate that about 40% of executives at cannabis companies are women. According to data recently released by Marijuana Business Daily, the U.S. cannabis industry will add $44 billion to the nation's economy by 2020, but only if the current legalization trend continues. The estimates also include the amount of money circulating as a direct result of marijuana transactions. When it comes to the overall yearly marijuana sales market across the country, including the black market, sales have reached the 30 to $45 billion mark. By 2020, Marijuana Business Daily projects legal sales will reach anywhere from 6 to $11 billion. According to the estimates, earnings tied to the legal businesses could jump from 14 to $17 billion in 2016 and to about 24 to $44 billion in the following four years. 
High Profits, a CNN marijuana reality series focused on Breckenridge Cannabis Club, owned by Caitlin McGuire and Brian Rogers. Among those featured on the show was a bud tender named Lauren Hoover. Now, Hoover is fighting for her life following a terrible head-on car crash. She's been in a coma for two weeks, and tonight in Breckenridge, a run is being staged on her behalf. The idea behind the event and a GoFundMe page created after the accident is to raise money that will be needed for her recovery process. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, March 16, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old mountain smells. And it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay, maybe you're high too. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today, our Cannabis Focus is on a 13-year-old medical marijuana advocate who moved from Connecticut to Maine so she could access cannabis to treat her rare form of epilepsy. She has unfortunately passed away. Two medical marijuana advocacy groups say Cindy Mae Meehan died Sunday in her family's home in Augusta. She has a severe form of epilepsy known as Dravet's syndrome. Her mother, Susan Meehan, moved her to Maine to access medical marijuana after failed attempts to treat the girl's frequent seizures using federally approved drugs. Connecticut does not allow for pediatric medical marijuana use. There is a website, youcaring.com, a fundraising page that her mom is curating. Uh, 
Mian says that Cindy May's epilepsy started when she was 10 months old in June of 2002. She wrote, quote, Diagnosed with Dravet syndrome, Cindy May has tried every available pharmaceutical option for her epilepsy, all to no avail. Pharmaceuticals and prolonged seizures have hampered Cindy May's development. There have been times when she has relearned to walk and talk and eat after prolonged status seizures. End quote. The page has raised $4,450 of the $20,000 goal to help out with the medical costs, especially the high price of the medical marijuana formulation that she uses. And another fundraising effort in Maine has raised another 11500 Family friend and medical marijuana advocate says Cindy May regained her strength and stopped using a wheelchair once she began taking cannabis oil. The family became medical marijuana advocates, often testifying on state medical marijuana bills. The family is planning a funeral in Connecticut. And it's just frustrating as hell to have to tell these stories again and again and again of these children who have to suffer when there is such an easy, non-toxic option to be able to help them out. And that they continue to lack that option because of ignorance and because of prejudice and because of the dastardly input of Harry J. Anslinger 80 years ago. The mom talks about how this little girl has had these epileptic seizures since 2002. At 10 months old, she's known nothing her whole life. She knew nothing her whole life but being epileptic and suffering. And her parents knew nothing but her suffering and hoping that someday, maybe, there'd be something to help her out. And, and this continued treatment of cannabis as the medicine of last resort. You got to try out all the other drugs first. You got to try all the prescriptions, all these toxic, addictive, side effect laden prescriptions that turn out not to do a damn thing to help the poor little girl. Got to try all that first. And then, then maybe we can get into some marijuana. Now, that's the case in some of these states that require that. They literally require you to try all of the toxic pharmaceutical options first before you can try the cannabis oil. Not every state allows the kids to try the cannabis oil, as in this case, the state of Connecticut, that would rather see this little girl suffer and die than to allow a child to use medical marijuana. But even when you have a situation where you're in a medical marijuana state that allows some sort of CBD oil, a lot of those states don't allow it to be created in that state. It has to be imported. You have to become a federal drug trafficker crossing state lines with a Schedule One substance to get some sort of relief for your child. And even the state of Maine, which is one of the better medical marijuana states out there as far as access and whole plant medical marijuana, even in those states, it sometimes just isn't enough. It just pains me every time I, I watch the television and see some politician Lately, it's Pennsylvania, but sometimes it's Montana or wherever they might be talking about medical marijuana. They remind me of the people that still deny there's any sort of thing as climate change. It's just beyond comprehension now. The scientific backing for medical cannabis 
is on par with the scientific backing for climate change on this planet. And people that continue to deny and continue to be roadblocks to addressing both of those problems do us all a grave disservice. This little Cindy May, 13 years old, how different her life might have been if 10 years ago even she'd have been able to access medical cannabis. She might be a bright, smiling little girl getting ready to go to school rather than her parents trying to raise money for her funeral expenses. You're not going to amount to jack squat! It's just sad every time we have to tell this story. How many kids are going to have to die? How many parents are going to have to suffer before the United States finally wakes up and treats cannabis like the medicine it is? Again. 20 after, we'll be right back with Drug War Data Mines after this. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said, on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. Oh, did I scare you? Okay, maybe you're high, too. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy. Because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. And before we get into the data mines, let me remind you that coming up at 5 o'clock Pacific time, we've got the Stoner Jesus Show coming up live here on CannabisRadio.com, followed by the next episode, new episode of the Tommy Chong podcast, the enormously popular podcast. If you missed episode one, we've got it available on demand on CannabisRadio.com. 
Listen live at 6 p.m. Pacific, and uh, we'll be replaying the latest episode of that podcast for you right here on CannabisRadio.com. Now, in the drug war data mines today, we got more information off that poll that we reported on yesterday coming from Vox and uh, uh, Morning Consult is the name of the group. And it asked people about eight different drugs. And yesterday we talked about how people were unable to accurately uh, determine which schedule cannabis is in, which, of course, it's in schedule one alongside LSD and heroin as having no medical value whatsoever. Today, we take a look at some of their opinions on whether or not drugs should be legalized, drugs should be decriminalized. Or drugs should be medicalized. And we'll start with legalization. The drugs we're asking about here are marijuana, psilocybin mushrooms, ecstasy, or molly, MDMA, LSD, cocaine, ibogaine, methamphetamine, and heroin. Now, starting with the legalization question, people were asked, do you strongly support, somewhat support, somewhat oppose or strongly oppose legalization of the following drugs. And as you could probably guess, for legalization of marijuana, the number came up as a majority. 52% of the people surveyed supported the legalization of marijuana, and that broke down to 32% strongly support and another 20% somewhat support. Strong opposition to marijuana legalization is at about 33%. So for one of the first times in history, we've got an equal amount of people who think marijuana, who strongly believe marijuana should be legal and strongly believe it should be illegal. But of course, the somewhat supports are quite outnumbering the somewhat oppose actually double. That's 20% for somewhat support, 10% for somewhat oppose. The total opposition to marijuana legalization totals 43% with another 5% who have no opinion on the issue. Of all the eight drugs that were asked about, marijuana was the only one that showed majority support for legalization. The next closest were psilocybin mushrooms, or magic mushrooms. 6% strongly supported their legalization, and another 8% somewhat supported the legalization. That's about 14%, that uh, about one in seven, who thought mushrooms should be made legal. Beyond that, The support is 10% or less for legalization of other drugs. Ecstasy, 10% strongly or somewhat support. LSD, 9%. Cocaine, 9%. Ibogaine, 7%. Meth, 7%. And heroin, 7%. So it's pretty safe to say that about 7% of the United States is willing to legalize any drug out there. When they asked the question about decriminalization, uh, the numbers did increase, as you might expect when we're asking about decriminalization, which in this case was defined as no jail, no arrest, no criminal record for first-time possession. That leaves the possibility open that there could be criminal penalties for second-time possession. But in this situation, marijuana came up with 58% support, I'm sorry, 59% support uh, overall with 38% strong and 21% somewhat support, only 24% strongly oppose marijuana decriminalization, so less than one in four. The next highest was for, again, psilocybin mushrooms with 11% strong support, 11% somewhat support, 22% overall. 
And the rest of the drugs were all below that uh, 20% level, the greatest coming from acid, which came up with 8% somewhat and 10% strong support for decriminalization of acid, 18% total. Looking at medical marijuana, the support was even greater among all people asked about these particular substances. Marijuana was supported to be medicalized, strongly supported 43%, somewhat supported 25% uh, for a total of what, 67, 68% uh, total support for medical marijuana. Only 17% of the country strongly opposes medical marijuana. Psilocybin mushrooms for medical use came up 8% strong and 10% somewhat for another 18% number, and all the rest of the drugs were below 15%. I also took a look at that uh, scheduling data that we talked about yesterday, and I put it into a graphic form, and it was very interesting to find that when we asked people where a drug was scheduled, schedule one through five, or not scheduled at all, versus where people think a drug should be scheduled, it was fascinating to find that all the other drugs had pretty identical numbers. For example, half the people thought heroin should be Schedule 1, and half the people thought heroin already was Schedule 1. And the rest of the drugs pretty much matched up people, what they thought and what it really was. Reality matched people's expectations, except with marijuana. With marijuana... There were 12% of the people who thought marijuana should be over the counter, that it shouldn't be scheduled at all. There were 20%, 22% of the people, excuse me, who thought it should be over the counter. The biggest difference of any of the data points in that particular part of the poll, almost twice as many people think marijuana should be over the counter than people who actually think it is already over the counter. This information can be found on Vox.com. Look for the Vox slash Morning Consult poll. When we come back, we've got our Hemp Day Hump Day update. Doug Fine will be calling in, and we'll also be hearing from Morris Beagle from the uh, Colorado Hemp. Stick around. You're listening this to the Russ Bellville Show. Show on CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> what the hell are we paying you for? Are you stupid? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Marijuana legalization also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day update. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our Hemp Day Hump Day update. And joining us by telephone, our good friend Doug Fine is on the line. How you doing, Doug? Doug, are you hearing me okay? Oh, we're having that issue. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh. I had you on mute. Had me how on are mute. you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time, man. I know how it goes. Uh, good to hear from you, Doug. Uh, are you in New Mexico today? I am in New Mexico. I've been um, dancing around a bit here. Um, there's been a lot happening with hemp uh, all over the world since our last Hemp Day, hemp day update. But uh, I myself was in Oregon um, doing some uh, some land surveying and and ground readying for for a hemp project there in the Beaver State, one of uh, dozens of states that are prepping for hemp season as we speak. Oh, that's great! So, uh, what are the uh, the latest rules and regs? Are we going to see more hemp planted in the state of Oregon this next season? Yeah, I would say so. Um, there's no stopping it. Um, Oregon is still one of those states that. Um, um, has a really good uh, policy, and the applications are now open again for for uh, farmers for this season, for new farmers, which is very, very important. Um, we had discussed that in our last segment. Um, it's not that hard to get a permit, but then from there, you're kind of on your own. So we're, once again, most farmers are playing that sort of game of trying to get seeds and make it uh, happen, and um, and they will especially uh, as more and more states come on, more and more farmers come online and, and more and more seed is produced. Um, there are institutions of higher education in Oregon that are coming on board for the first time this year, and that helps farmers, and all research helps um, further the industry as well. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be the private ventures that are not that don't have acreage restrictions or application restrictions and are really going for it, certainly in a research capacity to be in sync with federal law, but uh, bigger scale. Because when you're doing uh, research into applications that are really important to me, uh, like energy, uh, you need to have the biomass, you need to have large acreage plants, and phytoremediation, that, that soil studies, those I think are helpful to have uh, large large acreage as well, as well as seed development. So uh, I'm really glad to see Oregon farmers going forward in a big way. Now, many times we've discussed in the past the worry from the medical cannabis growers uh, that there could be some problems with cross-pollination. Was that something that was addressed or anything the legislature was concerned with? Well, no, actually, that issue, thankfully, um, appears to be, if if not totally resolved, well on its way to be resolved. Let's put it this way. Um, Some of the folks that were... Um, most uh, sort of worked up about it last year have since said, okay, we, we, we see how it is now. And um, all along, the 
uh, line that people that care about all sides of the plant were giving, includes myself and everybody that I'm working with uh, everywhere around the nation, is that we care about the entire plant and it's about good communication amongst uh, farmers and producers. That's true. And so it's for that reason, Russ, I'm glad that the debate happened because the importance of the debate is really between cannabis providers that are uh, sort of short cycle, shorter cycle, outdoor um psychoactive cannabis providers, because with legalization, there are going to be amateurs, there are going to be people um, that aren't quite sure how, how pollination works, and that type of drift, even prior to full legalization, the full the cannabis that farmers have been following for the last half decade from California, Oregon, and elsewhere, they talk about how you have to be vigilant. It's a, farming is a real full-time job. It's not an absentee job where you walk away, and if you see that some of your flowers have issues, you have to address that right away. And that's always been an issue, and it's only going to be more so with legalization and, and people other than professional cultivators coming into the market. So it, it's good that the discussion happened, and the message here is it's all one plant, and the applications are moving towards that. That's as, uh, as I'm preparing now, there's a big, uh, besides planting season and every, all the projects I'm helping in various states personally and covering and filming and uh, do, uh, for media projects, I also have a whole bunch of speaking events coming up, and I'm, I'm honing the message for this year. And, and one of them is, you know, the single plant concept, that soil health is really important as well. But the fact that we have, um, let's say, Gary Johnson involved in a project that produces mints-type uh, things, you know, ca- candies or whatever, that are explicitly low THC, not absent THC, but low, they're going to be people that prefer so-called psychoactive with lower THC and on the, what, you know, used to be segmented for political reasons into the hemp side, um, uh, some of those crops are going to require different cannabinoid profiles that may include high THC purely because it's required for things like fiber integrity, uh, seed oil content, seed oil health. And so we're not going to be able to delineate we're not going to be able to guess the application of a plant based on its THC level. We're just going to all have to, everybody involved in the industry is going to plant what works for them and have to be a good farmer and a good neighbor about it. You know, you just mentioned something that I think a lot of people don't consider in this industrial hemp argument or, or this issue, uh, and that is this artificial distinction that industrial hemp has to be below 0.3% THC. And you kind of just briefly mentioned why that's bad kind of in passing, but could you get into more detail about how that artificial restriction affects the quality of the hemp products? Yeah, I mean, it's an arbitrary, um, recent, and unnecessary, and, and detrimental um, categorization, a definition of hemp. Um, the the story has to do with infighting within European cultivars in the 90s. Um, already, the the province of Tasmania down under has unilaterally lifted their definition of hemp up to 1% THC. And, you know, it's, it's just one of these last insane drug war things that's dying out. Like, for instance, for on psychoactive cannabis, this idea of putting uh, a natural herb into a red light district and considering it a sin um, if you're going to allow you know, dangerous pharmaceuticals that have side effects at your corner grocery store. That's a, at your corner pharmacy. That's, that's what I want a thousand feet from schools. Yeah. And so along with that, 
we have this arbitrary THC hysteria that simply has to go for the good of the um, entire industry. Um, and we'll get there. I mean, I know personally, as a full, somebody that's a full-time, uh, you know, coverer and researcher of cannabis, that I can go now into the halls of Congress and talk about, I did, in fact, have this conversation with a Republican congressman from Kentucky, Thomas Massey. Um, he brought it up. He said, do we need to do something about this THC limit? I mean, he, they get it. They wow. get it. They're trying to help the industry. So you're saying, though, uh, you mentioned something about the, 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 the fiber strength wouldn't be as good, the seed oil content would be degraded. It, can you get into that detail? Sure. I, I can give sort of a, uh, a metaphorical analogy that, uh, that has to do with human physiology and then try to give a practical explanation from a, from a Industrial side, from an entrepreneur's side or a producer side. So the the, the analogy of restricting the cultivation of cannabis for any application, from old school, from rope to nano, like batteries, as we discussed in our previous segments during Humpty Humpty, Russ, uh, to psychoactive, to nutraceutical, to on the uh, explicitly medicinal side. There's there's uh, and uh, and so and social that you know the it, it's taking out a part of the plant that's essential would be like taking out a component of our blood. It would be like mm. saying, this, this, this part of your hemoglobin could potentially be synthesized into something um, that might be psychoactive, so therefore it can't get higher than this in your body. And your body might want and need it for a wide variety of applications other than psychoactive concentration. And so, that's the, so how that plays into industry is... We may have an application, we will have an application for a certain type of plastic, a moldable, flexible kind of plastic to be used for a cell phone case that we want to derive from hemp and other biomaterials. And we find out that actually the flexibility on post-harvest fiber is way higher than if the actual bast fiber comes from a cannabis plant that has 4% THC and a million other variables. To have an arbitrary restriction on that one component hurts the business. So this, uh, you know, we've also l- lately talked about the viability of the, I believe it was the hemp bast fibers in that, uh, uh, the, the battery technology, the uh, nanotechnology we're talking about. So is this 0.3% restriction going to uh, forestall that development of that technology? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily. We're doing a pretty good job. Hemp World is doing an uh, amazing job, astounding job at making it work based on the, on the current world. I just think it's good. The, the natural migration as a research intensifies on all levels of the plant is that some people with explicit social cannabis marketing intentions with medicinal are going to want lower THC. And some people are what today we think of as industrial applications are going to want higher for, for production. Seed, edible seed oil, let's say, might find that you're getting higher production, higher quality, more nutritious seed that has nothing to do with the end product. Kids can still drink, eat the hemp seed pressed oil in their shake, but that the plant itself wanted a higher DHC level as it was producing those seeds. So, you know, it's just it's just a restriction that has to go away. But no, that progress is going really well. In fact, that's one of the things I'm really excited about, and, and I'm going to be talking about at the uh, upcoming NoCo Hemp Expo and at the United Nations General Assembly Special Session on Narcotic Drugs in, drugs in New York in April and in Europe in June, is this beauty, this poetry of healing the soil, the most basic things that we that human life on Earth needs, and then from them uh, deriving these nanotechnology applications like the supercapacitors you mentioned. Yeah, we are looking forward to that, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this NOCO North 
Colorado Hemp. Uh, we've got another guest calling in soon. Uh, it, uh, I'm sorry, remind me of his name again? Uh, Morris Beagle. Morris. I was going to say Martin, but Morris Beagle, that's it. Morris Beagle will be joining us here in just a little bit, so stay tuned. We're going to do an extended Hemp Day Hump Day segment with Doug Fine and Morris Beagle joining us in just a moment. And we've also got our phone lines open at 971-533-7111. If you got a question for Morris or Doug Fine on industrial hemp, this would be the time to get it in. Or join us in our chat room at CannabisRadio.com, and we'll take your questions there. Stay tuned. We're back with more on hemp when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the new era. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Marijuana legalization also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day update. Well, it's almost like deja vu. feel like we just heard that theme. Welcome back, everybody. We've got Doug Fine on the line here talking in our Hemp Day Hump Day update, and we're waiting for a call in from Morris Beagle, who'll be joining us from Northern Colorado Hemp. Welcome back, Doug. Good to be with you always. So can you tell us a little bit about this uh, Northern Colorado uh, Hemp Expo that you've uh, been discussing? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 
really proud of the Colorado Hemp Company. And I, by the way, I just got a text um, from Morris that uh, he's dealing with an emergency. He's going to call in ASAP if he can while we're still talking. In, in but, fact, uh, we, we do have we do have Morris on the line. Actually, Morris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry, I've been juggling uh, the world here the last <laughs> couple of days. Believe me, we know how <laughs> it is. Uh, Morris, we appreciate you being here, and we were just asking Doug uh, about this uh, Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Well, let, let me introduce, if I could, this is Doug, let me introduce Morris for a quick second, just okay. for having worked closely with him now for three years, and, and then I'll let him take it away, because... First of all, we're partners on at his Colorado Hemp Company um, printed the hemp printed first legal harvest, my most recent book, and it's a tree free publishing revolution. And it also documented the farmers whose hemp actually partly went into the book. And so we've been working together for years. And I was a speaker right after Hempbound came out, the previous book, at the first NoCo Hemp Expo, and watching it become this premier event at the at the you know the the Big event center in Loveland, Colorado, um, is is an astounding thing that echoes the, the growth of hemp. And Mars full on gets it. He was he's been a music producer who wants to undo. He can tell you the the many thousands of pounds of uh, of CD cases that he sent to the landfill over the years. And he also is a producer and promoter who treats his talent well and runs the best possible events. And um, it's it's in year three becomes the go to hemp industry events in the world. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, Morris, tell us all about it. Well, man, I don't know if I can follow up that introduction there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Doug. (laughs) Um, Well, so this is the, yeah, this is the third annual NOCO and it has grown substantially since the first year and it's April 1st and 2nd. It's Friday and Saturday. Uh, It was one day the previous two years, but because of demand and all the different educational components that can be included in it. We needed to go to two days and next year we'll probably have to go to three days because we're already over capacity and all the vendors that we have and workshops and panels and speaker presentations. So we're really, you know, we've got 120 plus vendors. We've got over 70 speakers coming in from around the the country and around the world. Um, You know, we're covering, you know, virtually all critical topics of industrial hemp, nutritional hemp, the CBD side, and, you know, the differences between the marijuana side of the business and the hemp side of the business and, you know, trying to address the infrastructure and getting this thing pulled off the federal schedule and being able to have a true hemp revolution here in the United States and change the world. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that. The The planet can't wait. Uh, we've got more and more states that are taking on industrial hemp. I was reading recently Alabama and Hawaii uh, get some uh, pretty positive bills. Uh, Morris, does this event cover the national and international spectrum of industrial hemp? Oh, absolutely. So it's grown from a kind of a Colorado-based event the first year with some you know, outreach to the national and international side of things to last year, we had people from Europe and people from Canada that came and they spoke. And this year we've got, you know, people from China and Australia and Europe and Canada. And we're talking about not just the domestic industry, but the international global industry. 
You know, uh, as we continue to make these changes in our hemp laws, you know, we're getting to the point where some of these states have research plots. Uh, other states are a little farther ahead, but they're still uh, we're still lagging behind in the post harvest, the, the processing of the industrial hemp. How can how does the uh, the uh, festival, uh, the expo address those issues? Well, several of the processors that are getting up and going that have had uh, these pilot scale facilities like Pure Vision, Pure Hemp here in Colorado, that's a biorefinery technology, they're in the process of securing a a large location to build a full-on upscale bioreactor that can process 25 tons a day rather than the half a ton a day they can do now. Uh, there's a company in Kentucky called Sunstrand that's got a decorticating system, and they can do uh, almost a ton a day. They can do like 5 million pounds a year, and they've got an upscale version that they're going to be putting into place here over the course of the next year in Kentucky. There's also a decorticating facility in North Carolina, um, industrial hemp manufacturers, David Schmidt and the hemp ink people out there have got that up and ready to roll, but there's still no hemp being grown in North Carolina. Mm. And, you know, these, these technologies can be placed in a variety of parts of the country. You know, the biorefineries could really be placed in any place that had the acreage to support a biorefinery. So, you know, as more states come online, you'll see these technologies rolling out. The processing will be there. The extraction technology for the CBD side of the business is already there. You know, we've got, uh, you know, eight or ten, you know, extractors that are going to be there. And, you know, the extraction technology from the the hops industry and the essential oils industry and now the marijuana industry, I mean, that technology is there. And some of the new technologies that are coming online are going to, you know, leave some of these technologies that are, you know, prevalent in the market today, they're going to be, you know, left behind and in the dust here in the next 12 to 24 months is my guess. Wow, no doubt about it. It's it's expanding rapidly and evolving even faster. And uh, Morris, I'm wondering if folks out there in my audience would like to know more about the expo to go online, get tickets, or just find out information. Can you give them some websites or information to help? Yep. www.nocohempexpo.com nocohempexpo.com. You heard it here first. All right, folks, uh, we've got some questions coming in from our chat room, and this could go to either one of you, but it's addressed to uh, Doug Fine. Uh, John wanted to know, is it incorrect that hemp doesn't cross-pollinate with high THC strains? He heard testing was showing no cross-pollination. Correct. So the... When I was researching Two Out of Fail, a book about regenerative psychoactive cannabis, just half a decade ago, I heard and had no reason not to believe the conventional wisdom that if the federal authorities in the then more raging drug war really wanted to eradicate the Emerald Triangle uh, cultivation market, they'd dive bomb hemp pollen. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so the, re- um, the reality is, is you can crossbreed any different kind of cannabis if you really want to target it. But generally speaking, the deal is industrial hemp uh, cultivates, uh, uh, pollinates at a different time of year than psychoactive cannabis. It's a different growing season. Um, Not only that, but it's used as a protectant from pollination on other plants. And I saw in Europe 
different cultivars of hemp being grown catty corner to each other on multiple multi-acre plots, and none of the farmers were worried about it. It was about good farming, good communication. That's that's all that it takes. Um, and so, um, it we, we, two farmers in Oregon last year grew adjacent um, hemp cannabis farm, and, and at NOCO, I'll have in my my keynote talk a slide that's where I take a show of hands from the audience. Which one of these is the psychoactive and which one of these is an hemp? They're huge five-plus-pound plants, uh, flowering plants, leaning into each other, hugging each other, literally loving each other. No cross-pollination. And a second farmer in Oregon also um, did that test uh, last year as well. So um, we feel, those of us who have been preaching that it's all one plant and all the items you and I, Russ, have been talking about earlier in the segment, those of us who are preaching it, we, we believed it, but we didn't want to sound too sure of ourselves because people's livelihoods are, are at stake, and we're seeing more and more evidence in the ground and more and more understanding that it's one plant in cooperation. And that's just the kind of education, by the way, we'll see at NOCO. Mars, Mars was mentioning um, the international region. You asked about that. Besides my keynote at State of the Hemp Industry, a member of the Drunkers family, one of the first hemp, modern hemp producers in uh, European industry, will be there speaking. Um, it's just an unbelievably sort of broad array of people that everybody wants to be. It's like being in a Woody Allen movie. They know <laughs> that, that Morris uh, is a good person, does a good job, everybody wants to be there. And it's a place where I always learn as well as teach. Uh, I, I do have to interrupt our interview for just this bit of breaking news. The Senate or the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania has just passed their medical marijuana bill, 149 to 43. It heads back to the Senate Woo-hoo! for a concurrent vote and then will go before the governor to sign it into law as he says he will. That would make Pennsylvania the 24th medical marijuana state. Sorry for the in- interruption. Just wanted to make sure we got that breaking news out before the end of the hour. Uh, Doug, before we we uh, wrap up here at the top of the hour. I want to give you the chance to let people know. I mean, you mentioned it briefly. You'd be at UnGas uh, in uh, New York. That's I'm planning on headed to, heading there as well. Can you give people just a rundown of where they might catch up with you if they want to meet you in person and get a book signed? Oh, I appreciate you mentioning that. So yeah, no, no call April first and second um, in Colorado, and um, let's see, I've got uh, Sterling College in Vermont uh, coming up. In May, oh, but that was skipping ahead, April 19th to 21st, on guess. I'm psyched to see you there, Russ. I hope we can potentially do a segment there. Besides, I have media accreditation. Besides the coverage I'm going to be doing, I'm also participating in a number of panels, and I'll be up, uh, updating folks on that. I've testified before the United Nations already leading up to UNGAS. Um, all that information, videos of the previous testimony, and all the events are on my website at dougfine.com, uh, and I, I couldn't be more excited about uh about that it's going to be a busy it'll spring it's just a busy time of year because we're prepping for planting and projects in oregon colorado vermont um there's a teeny teeny part of me that's almost relieved that my new mexico uh state of new mexico didn't get didn't get it together this year because it would have been maybe a little too much to document but then again my goats outside my office window right now russ and mars are uh eagerly awaiting homegrown hemp protein cake so uh sooner the better <laughs> i'm sure they are <laughs> doug fine is the author of hemp bound and too high to fail and one of the nation's leading experts on industrial hemp morris beagle from northern colorado hemp expo and it was the colorado hemp company did i get that right Correct. all right yep. Th- thank you guys so much yep. for joining us today for this extended hemp day hump day update that's all the time we've got for today because there is a camera crew here from cbs5 in phoenix that wants to talk to me 
So we're only going to do an hour today. You're going to get a replay of Toker Talk Radio coming up in the next hour. But stay tuned. 5 o'clock Pacific, we've got live Stoner Jesus coming to you. And then at 6 o'clock, the next episode of the Tommy Chong Podcast, exclusively here on CannabisRadio.com. For everyone here in Scottsdale at Cannabis Radio Headquarters, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it.